Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Rachel Singleton, welcome to Unbroken. Hi, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to have you here and to meet you, Rachel. So why don't we start at the beginning? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, found the three principles. Yeah, so I'm a transformative well-being coach and an artist. And I've been working in the field of well-being for about 25 years now. And my journey's taken a few wiggles. You know, I started out as a homeopath. Mm. Well, I started as an English teacher, got very (laughs) unwell very quickly, found homeopathy amazing, started to learn about it, and then dived into this whole world of natural ways of helping and supporting the body. And in the midst of that, I stumbled across something called flower remedies. And most people know the flower rescue remedy as one of those flower remedies. And I was really amazed that flowers could be medicine, but it made sense, you know? And so I spent the next 20 years learning about, um, exploring, listening to the flowers and had some amazing and mystical experiences that kind of seemed to guide my path. And it was, so I was learning with people from all over the world and kind of branching out into plant spirit medicine and shamanism and all sorts of interesting things. And at the same time, seeing clients. So I kind of feel like I was listening to the people who are coming to me and being trained by them, you know, in terms of what they needed and listening to plants and nature and hearing what was on offer in our natural world. But there was also another journey going on, which was that for 20 years, I was very unwell. For that whole 20 years, I was unwell and was in chronic pain. And that was every day. And I was desperately searching, really desperately searching. And I know a little of your journey from listening to your podcast and and many of the people you've interviewed. So many of us have had such a similar experience of like trying everything 
And nevertheless, 20 years in to that journey, I ended up in hospital. My body was rejecting any food that was coming in. I'd had severe IBS for years, but then that started to get kind of, I guess, um, eating to the tissues more. You know, there was just so much inflammation going on there that it started to become much more serious. And suddenly my body couldn't hold food in. I was losing weight rapidly. And I had this surreal kind of, um, I think it was about 36 hours in hospital. I, I couldn't take any more than that. I discharged myself afterwards. It was, I was put in um, a ward where most of the people there were probably 50 or 60 years older than me. And I was, nothing that they were giving me to eat could I eat and None of the tests they were doing were relevant to what was going on. They were testing my lungs when it was my digestive tract. And, and the whole place felt was very shouty and noisy and clinical and cold. And and that's nothing against hospitals. Hospitals are amazing places. But that at that time, in my experience, in my world at that time, it wasn't where I needed to be. And it felt the antithesis of healing. Mm. And I guess I'd had this question for most of my life up until that point, what is health mm. and what is healing and what do they look like? And it just really struck me, they don't look like this. And so I started to just quietly reflect on, well, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And I thought back to what the plants had been whispering to me for 20 years and what my own connection to spirit had been whispering to me for 20 years. And it just felt softer and kinder and more gentle. And I saw that I'd been looking outside, endlessly, endlessly looking outside, thinking that someone else had the answer or some therapy had the answer. Beautiful, gorgeous therapies wise intelligent systems of medicine but for some reason they weren't breaking through and they weren't touching what was going on in me and it I think I paused in that hospital bed in that night there to think well why you know I just really wondered why and and I started to get an inkling that I needed to listen to something inside me that had been trying to speak to me for a very, very long time. And and I and I kind of came out of there and began to turn in that direction. And within three weeks my symptoms went. And that to go from that pain to nothing was just how is this possible how did I not know that that's that all I needed to do was to listen to my own wisdom listen to my own inner innate kindness and it was not long after that that I I'd heard of the three principles I knew a little bit about it but I, it had not registered with me it had not kind of landed with me at that point and not long after that, I circled back to it again, or it circled back to me, however these things work. 
and and it was like everything lined up everything suddenly made sense it's the way that it shows us how things work just cleared up so much of the confusion so much of the gray areas I could see how I'd had so many pieces of the puzzle but it was like something about the three principles understanding brought those pieces together in a really comprehensive way and that's about it's probably about five years ago now that I properly started to take notice of the three principles but that that journey of healing has been kind of going on for maybe eight years now and and each year I get to experience more well-being it's you know it's like this being symptom free happened quite quickly but then I'd had a body that had been malabsorbing food for 20 years that was very weak that needed kind of building and strengthening and regrowing and and just two weeks ago I was in Scotland and cycled like 300 kilometers in that week I've never done anything like that before cycled every day was just getting up in the morning feeling ready to go again and thinking who is this woman and how did this happen (laughs) and I think the three principles has been this deep confirmation that what was happening in my body was actually the natural way of things it wasn't a fluke it wasn't just a lucky thing that I broke through my symptoms there was actually something very real and understandable going on here and I wasn't going to lose that health but that health can continue to grow and flourish but it's not just that it's not just been about health it's been about um feeling that I have permission to look in a beautiful direction I think you know that I have permission to notice and reach into and lean into beautiful feelings and wise thoughts and good sense and that I'd actually been dismissing so much of that before, that I'd been so focused on what's wrong and I wasn't looking at what's right. And the three Ps keeps inviting me to look at what's right. And that journey, oh goodness, that journey is just so delicious, you know. (laughs) So many questions now to follow up on that. Do The first one I will have is, do you see any wisdom in the physical symptoms that you were experiencing? Yeah. Yeah. At the time I was banging my head against a wall trying to understand that. I got that they meant something. I just, I remember reading these books about if you have this symptom, it means that. And if you have this going on, it means this. And it's like, that isn't really it. That wasn't really helpful for me. I think now, largely, I would say that for me, a symptom is my body through the means that it can communicate, 
communicating with me and showing that there's some distress or some unease going on in the system. And what that means to me every single time, I haven't found an exception, is that I have stepped out of love. And the distress of that, of moving away from what is our essential nature, the body is the feedback system. It's this beautiful, loyal feedback system which immediately lets us know that, hey, this doesn't feel good. <laughs> this isn't this isn't how you want to be. This isn't how you want to see things. This isn't real. This isn't true to you and your essence. So we're just letting you know that by creating a bit of friction here, you know, <laughs> by showing up in whatever way the body has available, whether it's through symptoms, whether it's through emotion, whether it's through the mental state that we go into. There's all these kind of ways that the body flags up. There's a distress going on. There's a discord going on here. And really, you know, I mean, we, I think we all in the three piece community quote Bill Pettit when he talks about love letters from the body, but they are, mm -hmm. they are love letters. And I think to me more recently, I've come to see that they're not maybe so much just love letters from the body, but from spirit. That mm. it's a really deep invitation to come back into accord with our spiritual essence, which is love. Mm -hmm. And you had, you said lots of really good experiences when you were exploring nature and the flower remedies and that kind of thing. What place do they play in your life now? Yeah. So the reason I stepped away from working with any um, remedy-based modality was because my understanding of them was that the flowers were kind of telling me this, I guess, as I was in communication with them and making essences from them over the years. I always felt like there was a conversation there. So when I talk about the plants speaking to me, I'm not too lolly, it's just... <laughs> So they, my sense from them was that when we're not seeing our own capacity to flower and blossom, they, they act as a reminder. Mm -hmm. So where we see ourselves as weak or faulty or not capable in some way, we can take an essence to strengthen that part of us we're not seeing to kind of whisper to it give it a bouquet of flowers bring it back into our awareness and that feels like not a corrective medicine but um an enhancement um an amplifying of our essence and what i found time and time again which is just human nature and was just because of again, how therapy is often set up, people were coming saying, I've got this going on, I'm feeling this, can you give me a remedy to take it away? Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was very hard to 
not treat in that way because of the whole way that it's all set up, you know? So I started to experience how how much that was bringing my energy down to be trying to work in a way that didn't feel authentic anymore when I was seeing something else. And so I stopped. And by that time, I was already starting to coach in the three principles. And at this point, I don't offer essences and I don't use them for treatment. But what I do is I, when I, I'm also an artist, a painter, I put essences in my water when I'm painting and I paint the essences into the picture so that those pictures can go on people's walls and that lovely energy is just sitting there in their room invoking their beauty. That's that's my dream. So they feel like a really precious part of my life and my development and they feel like they've been my teachers and they're not going anywhere in terms of my life. They're they're staying, they're here. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what they're doing in the world, it feels like through me and through the way that I'm teaching, they're kind of coming out in a different way. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating about the way that you paint now. That's really, really cool. I -hmm. love hearing that. (laughs) Um, So uh, shifting gears slightly on your website, I was reviewing the other day and I noticed that you often mention this innate knowing and you use the word sovereignty about our um, relationship with ourselves. Could you talk about that a little bit and why, why that's important to you? Yeah. Well, you know, just recapping on that journey that I was just talking about, I guess the thing that started to lead me back into the experience of well-being was realizing that I'd been outsourcing the authority for that in the world and really like deeply had been denying that I had anything to do with that or could in any way know anything about myself that might be helpful or useful or healing. I mean it astonishes me now how utterly I disregarded my own knowing Mm. Um, and I began to see that as I was moving out of it particularly in that three-week period where my symptoms were falling away I, I was starting to really clearly see when just the the gentleness of our own innate well-being is telling us, oh, you're a bit tired now, or you're a bit cold now, or this doesn't feel comfortable. And I was watching myself just carry on regardless. And then it's like there'd be this, it would be like something out of a cartoon. I'd screech to a halt, (laughs) turn around and look back and go, wow, I just totally ignored that. Mm. I am in the process of completely walking away from, ignoring, pushing away my well-being. And why would I, why would I do that? And what happens if I don't? What happens if I'm not dismissing me? What happens if that, and I didn't put it in these terms at that time, but now I see that as my well of being. Mm. And 
And one of the things that I find myself working with in people over and over is that dismissal of the self's wisdom or they're just not quite recognizing what it is or maybe thinking it's something else, maybe thinking it's like this bolt of lightning that comes through in a God voice and that that's what it's going to be like, some amazing insight. And what I was finding was it's really intimate, really every day. It's in our own voice and it's in our own head. Mm -hmm. And that that is extraordinary. It's extraordinary how ordinary that is. And we have got that automatically happening in us all the time, should we choose to listen. So sovereignty, I guess, to me means listening to that mm-hmm. and letting that be our guide and seeing what happens. And let's be clear, that's not just listening to every voice that's going on inside our heads, because that would be mayhem. We all try and do that and we've been there, we've done that, it doesn't work. So what are we listening for? We're listening for that which is kind, which is loving, which is good sense, which is inclusive of us and our world, which puts us first, which we may not be comfortable with, but we have to get used to. Mm. (laughs) And which is empowering and healing. You said there that that wisdom puts us first. That was... I felt a shift in myself when you said that, that, and the example I can think of is, you know, every once in a while in the middle of a weekday, I'll be a little bit tired and it, it feels like wisdom often says to me, we'll have a nap, you know, just lie down for 45 minutes. And right away, my brain doesn't like that idea at all. And I often, it goes on for five or 10 minutes. I'll have this little battle and then finally i'll realize no that that wisdom is so important and i will eventually lie down but it's it's ridiculous how often that battle has to go on and how i have to kind of convince myself to listen to that wise part of me that is putting me first yeah yeah that's the perfect example mm. and really correlates for me with so many of those kind of everyday examples that I think we all experience and you know I know I was really consistently trained by the zeitgeist that we're in that you don't put yourself first you just don't it's like religion tells us not to school tells us not to our parents tell us not to you know our culture tells us not to and to start to peer under the hood of that and say, is that, is that true? You know, that it takes courage. And, you know, I often see with clients that there's, there'll come, there'll come a time when they're at this sort of make or break point, which is like, am I going to start to really choose myself? Am I going to really start to understand that, I cannot be a loving force in this world if I'm not in the field of that love myself. 
if I myself am not actually listening to that, then I have no foundation. Mm -hmm. And to start to turn oneself over to love is such a radical, radical move. (laughs) And I know that when I started to do that and started to listen to the voice that wasn't criticizing me, that wasn't judging me, that wasn't tearing me to shreds highly effectively and with plenty of evidence to back it up. When I started to just begin to see through that and begin to consider the possibility that that was not real and was not true and that there was something else that was seeking to be heard in me, I I felt so irresponsible. I felt so um, like I was just luxuriating in this, you know, la-la land. I was, I just thought, oh my God, this is like, I mustn't tell anyone about this. I was ashamed to listen to love inside myself. Mm. and and that's something I hear in people over and over and that saddens me you know Mm -hmm. that's a rare old state for us all to be in and when we really look at it it doesn't make sense it Mm -hmm. does not make sense how did we get here and And this is why I, you know, I constantly feel it takes courage to turn back towards and give oneself back to love. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So true. How did we get here? That's such a, such a good question. So if someone that's listening doesn't feel like they have a sense of that voice of love within them, Um, what could you share that might help point them in that direction? I think it's the, I think it's the little examples. I think your example of, um, the tussle inside with, do I take a nap or not? That's a great one. You know, for me, the the big breakthrough was when I was standing at my desk, I'd been working for a couple of hours and a little voice inside me said, you know, you're cold, you're hungry, it's time to go and take a break. And I just carried on through and then went, oh, oh, what am I just doing here? And then I suddenly saw, I do that a hundred times a day. I'm constantly doing that. How did I ever think I could be well if I'm constantly ignoring that gentle, good advice that I know is real and true in myself that says, look after yourself. So I would say just listen for that. Listen for your good sense coming in and looking out for you and watch what you do with it. Without judgment, just watch what you do with it and notice if you are tending to brush that under the carpet and think, I can't, I'm too busy, there's other things that are more important, and you know, all the reasons that we put in the way. And bit by bit, softly, a little bit here, a little bit there, where you can, just take a gamble and start listening and start heeding it. You don't have to turn your whole world over all at once. Just 
start to become aware of the possibility that that there is something in you that's got your back. Mm. Yes, being aware that there's even that possibility feels so important and like such a big first step. Yeah, exactly. It's a hundred percent there. There's nobody for whom that isn't there. Mm -hmm. There's nobody who is broken, (laughs) who doesn't have that. So you may have forgotten how to listen for it and recognize it, but that will quickly come back the moment you start looking in that direction because it's waiting to be seen. Mm-hmm. And I loved what you said about courage, excuse me, <clears throat> um, that it takes a little bit of courage to to listen to that. We're so used to, it seems to me, having our intellectual minds override that impulse. And yeah, just going back to my nap example, It's, I mean, it's a tiny bit of courage, but it is, it's, it's that willingness to, to step outside what my intellectual mind is trying to instruct me to do, you know, this is for the best. And yeah, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Yes. It's so compelling. Right. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like that's the responsible thing to listen to. That's the bit that knows. It's backed up by everybody else and what they would say and think. (laughs) (laughs) We really should be doing that. And yet something inside is saying, go and take a nap. Mm -hmm. That is deeply responsive to, inclusive of, and caring of you. And that is an amazing thing to start to explore. Because the human intellect can only take us so far, but that that knowing, that kind, regenerative, giving wisdom, oh my God, where can that take us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, on this subject, you have a program on your or available via your website called The Journey to Love, and I'm sure it's connected to everything we've touched on so far so could you maybe tell us a little bit more about that yeah yeah so um so this is a coaching package so my I kind of offer a more normal coaching package as it were you know where people can just come in with whatever's going on and but what I've found over time is that there are there are certain people who are coming in and because invariably every conversation seems to end up being about kindness and love and the mystical power of that and the practical power of that. There are those who were wanting to, naturally wanting to explore that further. And some of my longer term clients knew that I'd been, I I call it kind of apprenticing myself to love, you know, just really wanting to listen and let love being the driving seat and I was wanting to share that at a deeper level so there was this kind of marrying of need in people who've been working with me for a while and and my own wish to really um work with others in that realm of okay so what if we say that it's all love what if 
it's all love that there is nothing coming our way that isn't there that there's nothing happening within our being that isn't there and that we come from that premise and we look through those eyes and we see what happens and we go on that journey together so it's not a program it's just a six months of one-to-one coaching and the program if there is one is that we are aligning to love and we're listening for love and we're deepening that person's ability to recognize it and see love at play in themselves and in their life and to rest back into the arms of that so it feels as it would very close to my heart and very a very joyful but powerful thing to go on and and you know it's like it isn't it isn't all just roses and and beauty it's like there's there is something uncompromising about it as well but if we're saying that it's all love then we're saying that we can't be a victim we're saying that we can't be um blaming other people or blaming ourselves or being critical or we're saying that actually that those things don't make sense anymore so we're really exploring the possibility of moving out to very old habits of ways of seeing and being and letting go of the security stroke insecurity of that (laughs) familiar handrail you know Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you pointed that out, that it's not all roses and butterflies, that there, yeah, there's this slightly almost, I want to say confrontational, but I don't know if that's quite the right word, but it is, it's such a different way to look at the world and look at ourselves. And if we, it seems, you know, speaking from my own personal experience, exploring this understanding once we open that door, um, it it can raise a lot of questions and requires some reflection and exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and some celebrating and witnessing and sharing and all yes. of that as well, you know, just that wonderment of what happens when we you know if there's I don't know if there's stages to from say health to to the well of being like ill health to the well of being then you know if we're saying that symptoms arise as expressions of a disconnect between us and love and then if we don't hear them they um intensify and solidify and become more um vocal in our being and more dramatic in their expression and more able to claim our attention and then if there's a transition that comes where we start to go oh okay i really need to pay attention here there's something not right you know and and maybe we have a little bit of a detour where we just try and get rid of all that and stop the expression of that and suppress that. But then it pops up in some other way. So we still have to listen ultimately. 
And then we start to kind of see, okay, these are signs of distress and how can I care for myself and how can I listen and how can I understand when I'm in distress and really begin to be more, see that as a call to be gentle and loving. Mm. And, you know, I kind of feel like over the last few years, I was really learning to recognize in myself and others, okay, this is just distress. This is you being vulnerable at this moment. So let's do as you would with a small child or an animal that's in distress. We come in, we make the place safe, we tend, we listen, we help. How about we do that with ourselves? Mm. But I think that, you know, what I started to see just recently is that then there's another development on from that, that if I'm training myself to recognize distress I don't want to train myself too well in that so that I only listen for distress Mm. I want to start to transition into listening to well what if it never had to come through as a symptom what if we complete the circle what if I heard it before it was unease what if I heard it as it came through as just clear knowing and Maybe that comes through in lovely ways like dreams and visions and insights and knowing and nudges and synchronicities and all of that juicy stuff. And is it possible to hang out there more and more? And what would that be like? So that when my knowing comes up with something and I hear that I'm not then immediately going into questioning and fretting and worrying and debating that I'm just saying okay got it and on I go Mm -hmm. I take the knowing and I move I take the knowing and I move and I am responsive and that I think that's what the journey of love is ultimately about is that how do we get really tuned into the the loving message that's coming through when it's in a loving form, a lighter form, a more um, palatable form than symptoms and distress? Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a good question. Um, I want to ask what people see as they begin to explore that it's probably a hard thing for you to pinpoint it's probably different for everyone I think people begin to see themselves Mm. you know I think Mm. they start to um, really get into relationship with their own beautiful essence Mm. and and I think what I see is them um, being less putting themselves down less judging things in the world less being less conflicted being less in conflict with others being lighter being freer having a sense of permission With one of my clients, we joke about insane permissiveness. You know, this sense of the more you listen in to love, the more 
the permission to just be who and what you are. The freedom to trust what you are and let yourself be, let yourself express, not have to be constantly guarding, worrying about controlling, limiting that out of fear, but just to trust and be and watch yourself unfold, the situation unfold, let it, let it come, let it do its thing. Mm -hmm. So a sense of lightness and playfulness and exploration. Yeah, joy. I really got a sense there as you were speaking about returning to um, who we really are. That's what it felt like as you were speaking, that there's a truth there about our true nature. And um, it's kind of slipping away now, the more I talk about it, but yeah, that it's, um, it's always there. It's not something we have to create or make up or it's, it's coming through like what if you were washing a dirty window yeah <laughs> lovely yeah. oh that's and great it, it talked about that so much you know missing link is all about that you know mm. he was constantly saying it's it's not in me it's not in my words it's in you mm-hmm. but within feel for the beauty the beautiful feeling and just it'll guide you you know just this lovely directing us back to something that's right here in the very core of who and what we are yeah that just gets covered up innocently um I was going to touch on your podcast. So let's just quickly mention that before we wrap up, you have a podcast called The Beautiful Feeling and you uh, had 12 guests. And so what, is there anything you can point to? I'd love asking this question that you learned while uh, hosting that. In a nutshell, I learned that truth the truth that's like really anchored in my essence or another person's essence always comes through with a beautiful feeling, with a good feeling. Mm. And that unreliable, habitual, insecure thinking never does. Mm. Never, ever does. And at the very simplest level, that is hugely practical information. And for me in my daily life, that guides me all the time. So if I hear my voice in my head coming up with all manner of crazy stuff that's making me feel uneasy, distressed, anxious, then at some point, and it's getting quicker and quicker now, I just suddenly realize, oh, this isn't this isn't a good feeling. So I don't need to indulge that thinking. I'm going to let that clear out and wait and see what else comes through because this isn't what truth feels like and this isn't what love feels like and I'm not really that interested in any more in not listening to love 
So I think over those 12 conversations with those 12 amazing people, that really clarified for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Is As we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to share that we haven't touched on today? I think we've about covered it. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. Yeah. So tell us where we can find out more about you and your work. So probably the best place is my website and that's rachelsingleton.com and that's spelled R-E-C-H-E-L. And that's my coaching website. So that gives people um, the chance to kind of hear some of the podcast episodes or look at articles, my blogs, and just kind of go in there and find out more. And there's a lot that I've written and shared on there about some of the things that we've touched on today. And I'm also on Instagram as rachel.a.singleton. And then if you're interested in the art side of things, then it's rachelsingletonart.com. And again, I'm on Instagram as rachelsingletonart. So any of those and please you know feel free to reach out and get in touch if there's any questions from today great lovely well thank you so much for being here with me rachel i've really enjoyed our conversation thank you it's been lovely take care bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening i hope you found the show helpful and uplifting You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time.